Hey everybody, in this episode of Ricky's Historical Tidbits, I'm going to do something a little different. A tidbits blitz. What that is, is a handful of tidbits in one episode. These three tidbits are short, but worth telling, so instead of posting a super short episode for each one, I'm going to do a bunch in one episode. So, are you ready? Okay, let's get started. This is Ricky's Historical Tidbits Podcast, and this is Ricky Mortensen. Hank Monk was a famous stagecoach driver in the Placerville area. He arrived in Sacramento from Boston in 1852 and started driving the Sacramento-Auburn route for the California Stage Company. Soon, his shift bid changed to the Sacramento-Placerville route. After a few years, he went on to work for J.B. Crandall, driving the Placerville to Genoa route, and that company was bought by Wells Fargo, and Mr. Monk drove uh, Nevada stagecoach uh, routes after that, mostly uh, Carson City to Virginia City and back, of course. Here's a quote about him. Hank Monk, the incomparable, the most daring, the most reckless of drivers, and the luckiest, the oddest, the drollest of all the whimsical characters who made Western staging famous the world over. It was a dream come true. I'm quite sure that had anyone asked me which of the two I'd rather see, hear, speak to, Hank Monk or the president, and by that I mean Abraham Lincoln, it would have been the former I unhesitantly would have chosen. Without a doubt, my youthful judgment was biased, but the fact remains. And if you're wondering if he ever got held up, the answer is yes. Here's a quote about that. On one of those stops, he told the story about the day he was traveling to the top of Kingsbury Grade and was confronted by a robber. He was so surprised by the event, he threw the whiskey bottle that he had been drinking from at the robber's head, knocking him out. Hank climbed off the stage, gathered up his bottle of whiskey, put the robber in the stage, and delivered his new passenger to the sheriff at Friday's station. Now let's move to the second tidbit, George Lathrop. If you're interested, I found a short book he wrote about his life called Memoirs of a Pioneer Indian Fighter, Cheyenne Deadwood's Stage Driver, one of the first to help in the opening of the Great West. Link is in the description, and it's free. In the memoirs, he talks about how he was a no-good boy who ran away from home. He lived in Kansas for a little while during the bleeding Kansas craziness. He eventually made his way toward California, but the majority of it is of the people in his group turned back to, to head back home. He went on to New Mexico before he decided to head back to Kansas as well. He goes on to tell about uh, an ambush in the plains where a bunch of Indians came and killed a bunch of the people in his camp, and he hid and watched in terror as they scalped his friends. One of the men in his camp was shot right through the chest and scalped, but lived. He and some other survivors trekked 460 miles to the nearest doctor to hopefully help save his life. Later on, he tells of a little white girl who the Indians had captured and enslaved for a year or so, and how they were able to get the girl back and protected her, hiding her in, her, in their clothes. He then goes on to tell of another Indian attack where the Indians at night herded the men's buffalo out onto an ice-covered lake and their weight caused them all to fall in and die, 
leaving the men with very little food. Eventually, he drove a team out to Salt Lake City and marveled at how the Mormons had made such an interesting city in what was a desert. He tells a short story of going into a store and buying some of the strongest drinks he had ever had. It was called Valley Tan, which is Mormon whiskey. According to a man that he talked to in the shop, it was made of wheat, potatoes, rattlesnakes, and horned toads. From there, he went on to Southern California, where he passed a place called Mountain Meadow, which is where the Mormons massacred 120 men, women, and children who were simply passing through, but were infidels, according to Brigham Young. Mr. Lathrop then went on to tell how he had met Mr. Lee back in Salt Lake City, who happened to be one of the leaders of that massacre, and was executed by the United States not long after. He tells of the first time he ever got a picture taken and how he wasn't a big fan of California, and that's pretty much it. He died before he was able to finish his book. I recommend reading the book if you're interested, by the way. The best history books I don't think are written by historians, but by regular people about regular life. Now, let's move on to tidbit number three. You may know the name Armor from the Hot Dog song. What kind of kids eat armor hot dogs? Fat kids, skinny kids, kids who climb on rocks. Tough kids, sissy kids. Even kids with chicken pox love hot dogs. Armor hot dogs. Hot dogs kids love to fight. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Philip Armor. Mr. Armour was born in New York on a farm. He was one of eight kids, and by the age of 19, he headed west to make it rich as a gold miner. By the time he got there, though, he didn't want to suffer anymore, and he saw that all that glitters isn't gold anyways. He saw that miners needed water to mine, and so he chose to figure out how to control the water supply. Pretty soon, he had a decent operation building and operating sluices, which are like gated dams that open and close to let water out. By the time he was 24, he had saved up about $8,000, which in today's money is almost $300,000. He took that money and headed to um, Milwaukee, where he opened up a wholesale grocery store and made a bunch of business connections there, which led him into the meat business and getting contracts with the United States to supply meat to the Union troops during the Civil War. That business did extremely well. And he made a ton of money during the war. Armour, uh, towards the end of the war, made a bet that the Confederates would surrender soon and the war would be over. So he made some, contra um, so he made some contracts locking in the price at $40 a barrel of meat. And sure enough, the Confederates surrendered and the meat price fell down to $18 a barrel. So Armour was making way more than he should have. And so... In that amount of time, he profited about $2 million, which allowed him to expand the meat operation over in Chicago. Over in Chicago, his company was a leader in the innovation of meatpacking and slaughtering. One of the biggest innovations was bringing the hogs into the city to be slaughtered, rather than at some slaughterhouse out in the country somewhere, and then shipping them in after they're uh, killed to be butchered and processed. He also had an assembly line set up for the butchering process, just like the big guys do today, which made the operation extremely fast, 
but also extremely dangerous. Philip Armour was also involved in a few scandals and was known for shutting down strikes. He employed mainly immigrants who had no other job choices and paid them half the going rate for that kind of job. Then, when the Spanish-American War broke out, the United States needed meat quick, but cheap. So the big three meat processors, including Armour and company, started processing in less than ethical ways, which ended up being called the embalmed meat scandal. The meat that was being sent to the troops was so chemically processed that it didn't even resemble meat or taste like meat either. And the men were getting all kinds of diseases, including dysentery, from the meat that they were given. This essentially destroyed Armour's reputation, and he retired within a few months and went on to be a philanthropist, building hospitals and schools and giving scholarships to people. He died fairly suddenly at the age of 68 from pneumonia, and one of the most interesting quotes, uh, most popular quotes that he is known for is this. Always keep at it. Don't let up. Let liquor alone. Pay your bills, marry a good wife, and pound away at whatever you want. And sooner or later, you'll make good. Thank you so much for watching this episode. Let me know in the comments if you liked this Blitz format or not. Also, be sure to subscribe to my email list through Substack so you get all my episodes directly to your email.